What's the goal of the FNF Coaches Podcast? We want you to learn something from the best coaches in high school football. We hope that you'll jot down some notes that will help you improve your program. It's the return of the FNF Coaches Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Today's guest is a veteran coach who led his team to the first state championship in his program's 125-year history in the fall. Brent Eckley lifted the Jackson High football team to a Missouri State Championship just a year after his team fell in overtime in the 2019 state title game. Eckley talks about how he approached the devastating finish to the 2019 season, what he used for motivation, and what he tried to avoid. He shares how his team's leadership council works, and he reveals which apps and new pieces of technology have helped his program thrive. It's an informative interview, and the more we peel back the layers of the program, the more we see how intentional Eckley is about establishing a championship culture. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the FNF Coaches Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or Google Play, and give it a five-star review. The FNF Coaches Podcast is just a part of the FNF Coaches platform. Visit fnfcoaches.com to see stories about program building and culture and X's and O's. We've also selected a coach of the year for each of the states that played football this fall. Go to the website for videos and film breakdown. We just wrapped up Culture Month, so be sure to check out all the content from championship coaches who share tips on establishing culture. You can subscribe to the FNF Coaches Magazine by clicking on the tab subscribe at the top of fnfcoaches.com. You'll receive five magazines in 2021 for just $19.95. Without further ado, here is the interview with Coach Eckley. Coach Eckley, thanks so much for joining the FNF Coaches Podcast. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and congratulations on your state championship. I want to actually go back to uh, 2019. We had spoken a couple of weeks ago on kind of everything that went into this year's championship, and it's a great story. But I want to go back to 2019 because that's a kind of a devastating way for a season to end in overtime uh, of a state championship game. I, I imagine you remember going into the locker room and talking to your team after the game. What was your message to your players after the game? Boy, here's a good question. <laughs> um, it... Uh... It was so surreal, you know, playing at the University of Missouri, you know, not very many of us have, had, had been on the field. And then, you know, you, you go through the game and get to the end. And, and when games go to overtime, they're really it's, – it's really cut off. There's, like, not a real natural flow because there's not really a play clock uh, or, or a game clock. So, you know, we were on offense first, and we had scored and had the touchdown called back uh, due to penalty. And then we didn't score. We went for it on fourth down and, and didn't make it. And they went on offense and we got them to third and long. And then they had an explosive play down to the two and then they scored the next play. And that was it. There's Oof. no conversion. There's, it, it's just a, it's, it's really tough. So, you know, we, we, um, you know, we gathered together and took a knee together and, and uh, uh, went through the handshake and, and, you know, got the trophy and whatnot. And, and the thing, the way it's set up too is, is, you know, media has got to be a part of it. And so, I didn't even get a chance to talk to the team. I just said, Hey, I'll be back in a few minutes. I have to go. We have to go do this interview. And so when we came back in, you know what, in the end, it's just appreciate each other. You know, it's our last time being together as a team, uh, you know, in, in a competitive environment versus somebody else. And, and uh, you know, make sure to take the time to, to uh, let each other know how much you appreciate each other. And it's, it's, this is our time here that um, you guys can kind of say goodbye and, and say, 
what's what what, what made the season special um you know for you and so it, we took a little bit of time there coaches got a chance to share players got a chance to share with each other uh those are always tough you're never prepared for them whether it's a win or a loss at the end it's it's just uh, uh you're just not really prepared for it to end even even though you know it's going to end you're still not really very prepared i don't think and it's not really the time to start talking about 2020 because you got seniors in the locker room who aren't going to yep. be around. Um, yep. Exactly. Wh- it's disrespectful to talk talk about the future. And, and it's, you know, you don't want to be in that last game and it's not like, hey, we didn't play very well. It doesn't matter. It's like your your season's over and you've got seniors that invested a whole lot and, you know, they're all in and they're done and they won't be able to put pads on again. You don't want to talk about, about moving. Other than the fact that the big picture of it was a successful season, we had a whole lot of kids that pulled together and that pulled in the same direction, and we all had the same goal. We made it to the to the final game. That was one of our goals was to be to be playing to be in the last game to be played in in Missouri uh, that season, and we were, and we made it to that point, and we played in a great game. What do you remember about the way the players reacted in the locker room? Um, you know, it was it's fairly typical. You know, when you get to the end, you've got some of those guys you know that uh, you know they've kind of got their their uh, heart out there and exposed and very raw emotionally. And um, there's nothing that you can do to, to save them from the heartbreak that they're experiencing. There's nothing you can do to help them. So you're kind of powerless um, just knowing that time will ultimate healer. And as coaches, we were kind of in the same boat. You know, we felt like we had a really great chance to, to win and didn't. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I felt like I was kind of just in shock, like I especially for how, um, it took, you know, a bunch of us several days before we really. Yeah. And that, as you said, time heals all wounds, but how much time do you give yourself? How much time do you give the players before you start thinking about, you know, off season conditioning, strength and conditioning, what the goals are for the next season? Yeah. It, it's um, uh, what I love about, about coaching football is, is the different seasons and the different areas that are, that become priority. I love watching film. And you watch a lot of film during the season as you're as you're scouting and breaking down and whatnot and watching yourselves and whatnot. I love doing that, but I also love um, setting goals with the guys and getting started in strength and conditioning and, and seeing the boys become men in the off season. I love um, setting up new playbook for the next season. I, I, there's so much about it, but it just kind of shifts gears, and so it never gets old and never gets boring. Um, for us, the way it worked out, you know, we got done with the season and, and I gave them a couple weeks off lifting, which kind of carried us into finals and into the Christmas break. And then we started back early January and we had enough players back that were really, really, really good football players. Um, and that they expected to win. We didn't really have to say a whole lot other than the fact that, you know, we, we want to get to the point where we have a chance to win. And that was really about all that we kind of talked about. And then we went, the kids were super motivated. They were willing to do whatever it took. They were willing to, to do the extra. Um, they didn't leave any stone unturned. Uh, they wanted to be an outstanding. And so it, it was it was awesome that our, our players really drove. Yeah, it sounds like it was a pretty positive conversation once you were kind of flipping the page to 2020. What are What is your process for goal setting? Do you do individual meetings or how do you, how do you go about it? We do a little bit of individual meetings, and, and one, one of the things that we do that's maybe a little bit different, we have a gold card, um, and in, in our locker room, uh, you know, each guy has his locker. It's a football-only locker room, so we're able to use it year-round. And so the kid has his locker, um, and we have the name plates that are magnetic, and we, we stick the, the gold card 
put up there and that's going to have its process oriented. So it's, it, you're talking about, you know, not win a state championship. That's not necessarily there, but uh, individually we're talking about uh, where your body weight's at, where you want your body weight to be. Um, we talk about, there's about three or four major, four major lifts that we, that we deal with. And then we have three movement type uh, exercises that we test as well. And that, and that, um, that they can set goals on. And then we have an attendance goal uh, for them to fill in. And then we have their word of the year. That's all, all on that, all on that uh, card. And then it's got, you know, our theme for the year and, and as, as well as a, a quote that supports that theme. And that's kind of the card. So they get a chance to see it every day when we come into lift, they get a chance to see it, you know, right there as they put their keys in their locker, they see it right there. And so we feel like that's a really good reminder for them. Um, and it's, it's good. They get to see it every day and they get to be motivated by it every day. I, I've, I've liked how that's worked out for us. And we've done it that way for probably um, at least four or five years now. Yeah. I love the sound of that. What was the theme for the 2020 season? 2020 was the edge. And um, uh, you know, and it, it, this might not be the case with everybody, but it's certainly the case here at Jackson. We don't really originate anything, uh, but we're pretty good copiers. And uh, I, I don't know that that theme was used by somebody else, but what we were going for was, was twofold. One, we wanted to get comfortable being at the edge of our ability and pushing right to the edge of our ability. So the other part was a little bit looking back, uh, but, you know, we talked about, you know, we were right right on the cusp, we were on the edge of winning to guarantee that. Mm -hmm. um, and so we talked about basically, you know, with, with all the, the wins that we had and, and the loss that we had that we needed to increase 7%. And if we could get 7% better, um, that was going to be. And so that's, that's kind of how we, we, we related it back to the guys. Where'd you come up with seven? Um, I don't know for sure how, <laughs> how we divided it out, but, uh, and in, in, in the end, you know how it is every year too, you know, when you have one group of seniors that leave and you've got some other guys that are, that are returning players and they're coming back and it's like, we expect you to be better. We don't expect you to be the same player. You expect you to be better. And then those open spots as guys step into those, we want those to try to, we want those kids in those positions to try to break even with who just graduated. And yeah. so uh, uh, I, I can't, you know, it's been, uh, it's been over a year now since I spent the time putting the presentation together for the 7%. So I, I don't know if it was, if it was third, if it was the, the separation between we won 13 or 14 games. That, that if you do that math, that might be the 90, we might've been a 92 point something percent winning percentage in that season. We wanted to get to a hundred percent so that that would be the extra 7%. That makes sense. I want to go back. You said in the strength and conditioning program, uh, you have a couple of movement exercises that you uh, have on the goal, uh, the goal cards. What are those exercises? Um, for, for our movements that we focus on, we've done 20 in the past and we're in the process now of transitioning into the flying 10 because then it also uh, very easily translates into miles per hour. Uh, and, and I think those two things are something that with, and, and they'll continue to try to be to, to run the fastest and the highest no, uh, number of miles per hour. Uh, and that's a fairly easy deal once you get the, the thing. Um, and again, it's not something we orig originate here. We, you know, we've copied, you know, from other places on that. And then we do uh, pro agility, uh, the 5105 test, which we've done for a long time. Um, and that seems to be an area for us. It's really easy. It's really easy to determine which kids should be playing in once what spots for us based on what that position requires mm -hmm. the pro agility test for us really relates very well. So, you know, 
our, we know that there's a difference between a kid being really fast and a kid being quick and the quick kids play in certain spots and the fast kids play in certain spots. And that's not always the same, same spot. And then we test vertical and we've found with, by testing vertical, that's something that we never, we didn't use to for several years. And as we started testing it and we started posting it, you know, kids got competitive and those verticals went up and really good test. Uh, we feel really good about, about those movements. And then if we look at weight room wise, you know, we are, we are, in the way our program is set up, we start with clean. Clean for us is is the is the primary exercise, and then squat, and really sometimes deadlift, sometimes even heavy bench. We've never really been a real great uh, bench press team, but we've been really really good at clean. That's great. Yeah, you hear fewer coaches really emphasize the the bench press these days. It's a lot more movement, you know, type of exercises. Um, that yeah, that's interesting. So it sounds like you had some some really positive momentum going uh, right away, you know, not right away, but you know, you waited until January and kind of got things going and set the goals and things like that. Did you start to get a sense? Okay. There's not going to be any hangover from, cause you hear about these Super Bowl teams that lose in the Super Bowl and then they miss the playoffs the following year. When did you start to get a sense? There wouldn't be any kind of let down that next year. Um, when we started lifting, I, I had commented to some coaching friends of mine that, you know, that aren't on staff, some guys from other schools. And I, I had said, to them, we, we got a chance to be really physical. And, mm-hmm. and I don't say that very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't remember a time that I'd ever said that. And, and just knowing that where we were at testing wise in the weight room at that point where our body weights were and how, how much weight we were moving, I just knew that, you, you know, that was going to transfer to the field and we had a chance to be really physical. And that didn't take very long at all. You know, we, we typically, uh, we train for six weeks and then test and then we train six weeks and test and it was that you know that first test we were looking middle of february and our number really good and uh i felt real good about because we 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 returned a lot of guys that had had success they were doing all the work everything was everything was right i didn't have to um we didn't we didn't there was no we didn't have to coach effort kids were showing up in the weight room to just help them a little bit with weight and encourage them but they were driving it yeah it's nice when you have a self-motivated team uh, I wanted to, you've said a couple of times, you know, these aren't necessarily original ideas. And I think all coaches, you know, kind of borrow from each other and seek out mentors and advice. Uh, did you, did you seek out anyone or uh, maybe even a mental performance coach or another coach just to kind of get some advice on how to deal with, um, you know, coming, overcoming an overtime loss in a state championship game from the previous season? Well, I'll say this. Um, I have se- there are several buddies out there that, that I lean on for advice. And uh, it's interesting. Coaches are always, almost always interested in helping one another. And that's the great thing about it. But I, I know that, um, you know, one of my good buddies, uh, Eric Thomas, who's the head coach at Lee, Lee Summit, earlier in his career, uh, they lost a close game, the state championship. And the next year they came back and dominated fashion. And he was the guy that was working for, for Misha um, at the locker room at the state championship game. Mm-hmm. So we've been buddies for all this time. We coached two or three years together. And, and, you know, so he had said, Hey, this will be really good motivation for your guys coming back. You know, you just get done losing. And it's like, I don't know if we're going to be able to fill, you know, fill those, those shoes of the guys that are leaving or not. But he, you know, he said, you know, this is going to be really good motivation for your guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, and I had other coaches that said that same thing that they got close one year. And then, you know, the next year, those guys, the players really grabbed on. Um <clears throat> With that said, you know, uh, Rick Jones, who is now at uh, University of Missouri as, a, as a head coach, I think, with Coach Drinkwitz, uh, he was the head coach at Greenwood. And, you know, I asked some advice of him as far as, you know, 
not getting there one year and what makes the difference and, and whatnot. And he was one that we leaned on a little bit. Um, several other coaches as well that we reached out to and just tried to find if there was something that maybe we were missing one year or something to not focus on um, moving forward. Uh, and we got some good answers there. Um, as far as um, as far as any copyrighted material that we went after, there wasn't really anything uh, there. Our setup is a little bit different than some places. We do a zero hour here at Jackson for our for our lifting for our football team. And it's open really to anybody, but our football kids are the ones that, that really take it. So we generally, when we train, we train together. Um, we now show up at, you know, at 5.40 in the morning and we do uh, attendance and take temperatures. And then that gives me a window of 10 or 15 minutes that I can talk to our team about what I want to talk about, whatever I have prepared. Sometimes, you know, we talk about nutrition. Sometimes we talk about goals. Some, I mean, there's just, we talk about the pillars of our program. We talk about our hashtag words. We, all, all those types of things we, we talk about before our lift. Um, and so, you know, going from one season with how close we were, we had an op- we have a, a perfect opportunity now that we can all, you know, communicate together every day as we're uh, being quarantined, you know, kind of kind of cut into that. But we did get in probably 10 weeks before that happened. And so we had an opportunity to do a lot of educating and, and continuing to keep our focus on where we wanted it. We always talked about we want, we want a chance to win our last game. Mm-hmm. And based on the advice you got from some of those coaches, what are the things you don't want to focus on when you're uh, mm-hmm. trying to come back from that? Um, well, the I guess coming – what you do want to focus on is process. What right. you don't want to focus on is the score of that game. Yeah. You know, or mistakes that were made in that game, because those are the things that, that, you know, kids are going to, they're going to focus on. And it's like, you know, we have a player returning from that team who is a great story. This was a kid that started for us as a sophomore, as an offensive lineman. He got through five or six games and had a back issue. And so he's out for four or five, six weeks. And then when, when that's, he gets released and, he, and we're going into the playoffs. So he didn't play one snap in our semifinal and he started and played every snap of the championship game. Um, and it's just kind of how it worked out. He had a great week of practice that week moving ahead. And, and so he deserved it. He was in there. Well, well, he's the guy that gets in the overtime that, that calls back the touchdown. Yeah. Well, his buddies are going to egg him. You know, they're, they're going to, they're going to jab him about that a little bit in the off season, but we didn't. And the things that, you know, we said was it wasn't a hole. You know, we're not arguing with the officials. We're just saying hey, it wasn't a hole. You made a good play. And so we moved forward that way. We didn't focus on that, on that negative a whole lot. So that's, I guess that's an example of what you don't want to do is to look back and, and really pull out those specific plays because the, the kids have already internalized that. Right. They've already feel like, you know, I cost my teammates. I cost our, our school. So yeah. um, that's something we didn't want. We didn't focus on a whole lot was the, the final score or the mistakes that were made in there. We, we tried to focus on the positive things that we made plays in that game as well as our as well as again we're process oriented so we're going to spend a lot more time talking about man your squat is up outstanding you've reached that goal what can we let's let's set another one rather than looking at what the yeah no that's a that's a great point it's so important because you know like if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs right now they're coming off a Super Bowl loss Uh, they probably thought they were you know could have won that game or were supposed to win the game and they've so they're going into this next season and everybody knows, you know, the ultimate goal for them is to go back to the Super Bowl and win. And it's probably not the 16 or 17, you know, games of the season that are tough to motivate for, before because everybody loves to play. And, you know, you want to you got you want to show how well you can showcase your skills and games. It's it's that 10 week period, like you said, where you're just ramping up again and you're like, hey, our goal is 
11 months away. We've got to keep a short-term focus. Did you find it difficult or, or, or did players struggle with that at all to say, hey, like, who cares about today? We, we've got to make it back 11 months from now or else this season's a failure. I think there were some kids that felt that way. Uh, some of our boys that were going to be seniors because they're just not used to losing. Yeah. Um, it wasn't expressed a whole lot that they had of, of it stuck with them. And I about mm-hmm. it uh, very highly. Um, but again, we just kept using ours. Well, this is what makes, and then you're going to be a good enough athlete to win your matchup. You know, you talked about there's 10 weeks before you go into quarantine uh, that's almost a year ago now. We had no idea it was going to go on for a year when, you know, they pull the kids out of school and next thing you know, you're on Zooms and, you know, all that stuff. What do you remember about that time period? And what, what did you do as a leader to kind of keep things moving in the right direction? Uh, it was a very frustrating time for me. It was also the worst time that I've had in education because um, I enjoy the off season i i love to see i've got a picture of uh it's on my phone and sometimes i i share it with coaches and i i also send it to this player you know we have a, a, our offensive tackle connor tollison graduated early and and so you know he's going through their training stuff you know now well i've got a picture of him you know when he's an eighth grader going to be a freshman you know connor is 305 310 he was 195 and so you can see his skinny little body and it's like that's why I love so much a, a guy come in the masses, they're little boys and weight room is a, if you just commit to it and you just do it over time, you become a man. And he became a man, he, you know, he had to eat, he had, but he had to work hard in the weight room and it's like, he just developed. Um, and so I really enjoy that. And so my time last spring was horrific for me because, you know, every day I'm excited to come to work. You know, the alarm doesn't wake me up. The player, what wakes me up mm-hmm. as it is with a lot of coaches um and so not being able to see them and, and see their development and see their growth and see their their mental toughness and their physical toughness improve that was horrible it was it was horrible and 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 then seeing them not have an opportunity to connect and communicate with one another that was rough too what we did is uh, we tried to give them exercises to do some did them, some, uh, we tried to let them know that we're going to be testing on a couple of specific things so that they could prepare for them. And here was the way to prepare for them. some did it. Some didn't, mm-hmm. uh, in, in our program, we have, um, we have 10 squads and, you know, we have a leadership council. The guys apply for it in December, January, you go through an application process and I, and I interview them and I set the leadership council. And then those group of guys then will do a draft. And again, this is not original. Uh, they do a draft, and so they're going to have somewhere between eight and twelve guys per squad. So, as we were going through our spring, I would set up times. Okay, leadership council, I'm going to talk to you guys on Monday at one. Coaches, I'm going to talk to you guys at Monday at two. And then I just I just set up the schedule, and then by squad, I had two squads at the time that I would that we would do a Zoom call and I'd just review with them. And one of the things that, that I think that was good was I tried to come up with a question that was an odd question like, and I don't mean this necessarily strange, but you know, um, how many in your family? How many siblings do you have? And then that kid would have an opportunity to share that out with with 20 other guys on his team um, that he'd be able to talk about his family a little bit. Um, another week we'd talk about something that was really tough or who their hero was. And, and we just tried to do something that was kind of personal, that they'd have an opportunity to share, to get comfortable sharing, and that their teammates would learn something. Sometimes we talk about favorite movie or, or 
favorite favorite musical, you know, some stuff like that. So those were kind of good, but they didn't take the place of of the shared pain that happens in the weight room. And so it made us made us pretty nervous going through that that time of whether or not everybody was doing. We feel like the way we do our lifting with everybody working out together uh, and the coaches being in there before school, we feel like that um, is a huge advantage for us. And we feel like that makes the difference in our program compared to other programs that don't do it that way. So that gives us a leg up. And when we didn't have school, uh, I mean, it was, I think it hurt us worse than it hurt other, other programs uh, and other football programs that don't lift together that they maybe lift at school or maybe they lifted it at a, at a gym somewhere else. And they're all kind of fragmented. Um, so it, it made us very nervous, but that's kind of how we handled it. We, we did the zoom calls. Uh, so, so I was communicating every day with the guys, um, and, and kind of challenging them. It, it was tough. And like I said, it was my worst time in education. This is my 26th, 26th year in education. And it was the worst because I didn't have an opportunity to get up and see her and grow every day. That's interesting. I, I live in Massachusetts. You're, you're, you were just bringing back some uh, bad memories of the, the pandemic. I remember it started up here. And then I think my kids, I have a six-year-old and a seven-year-old, and they were both out of school uh, for, I think, like two weeks. And then, I, you know, we, everybody kind of realized, hey, we're going to have to do this remote. You know, we're going to have to teach them remote. And I do remember early on, you know, listening to my kids are sitting, you know, right in my house in another room and, they wouldn't say anything for like three hours straight. And you're like, Oh my God, I don't know if they're learning. I don't know if they're developing any skills here. And then I do remember a teacher asking them like, Hey, uh, we're going to go around and everybody's going to tell me, tell us about their sibling. And it was the first time I've, I'd heard either of my daughters, uh, go on for more than one word with a response. And they're like, Oh, you know, my sister Emmy does this and she likes this. And I was like, Oh, that was a nice icebreaker for kids that age to, you know, establish a little chemistry in the classroom because all these kids are sitting in front of a computer for the first time and they don't know what to do. Uh, so that was, you know, I think that was a smart way to kind of establish camaraderie and team chemistry. I did want to you, you mentioned your leadership council and I know uh, last year was different with the pandemic and meeting with you, uh, you know, one o'clock on Mondays or whatever time it was. What, is, what does the leadership counseling council normally do? Um. <clears throat> One of the things that we talk about with our group uh, to start with, once, once we have our leadership council, I'll try to meet with them once a week uh, for 30 to 45. Part of it is going through the, the teaching and the training of me. And then part of it is really for better use. Brainwashing is the word that comes up, but, it, <laughs> but really what we're doing is we're just trying to teach the things that are important. And everybody, as you start your program, you know, you're going to come up with, you know, pillars or, or primary parts of your program, things that it, you want it to be about. And we started that process. It's probably been eight, seven, eight years ago, at least now that we wanted to kind of look at what we thought was important. And we had player input and we had coach input. And that's kind of what we came up with. Well, from that point on, we've continued to sell those things that we've, and, and now those are, we feel like our kids know that. So part of it is with the leadership council is getting the information to those guys teach them how to, how to, how to lead. And then part of it is, is making sure that they know what they're leading and the things that they're leading. It, it, there have been some years where we have had those guys do presentations on it and that they've done, they've done a presentation for the, which has been a, been a nice thing. It's been a good opportunity. I've found that with kids, with our teenagers, they all, not all, but almost all of these. And that's kind of the way our have buddies. They don't want to separate themselves. I believe that 
one of the ways that we can get them used to speaking and then maybe 20 or 25 people. And so that's kind of what we do through our off season is we have them, they have an opportunity. They have an opportunity to do presentations in, in that time with of players that are on leadership council. And then they have an opportunity to lead their squad. And so they get comfortable with people listening to them. I think that's key. Um, in addition to us meeting in the, in the, in the mornings, um, and we kind of try to, I try to use those guys and they know when they sign up for it, that, that, they have to be a, a reflection of the coaching staff. They also know that they have to do a great job connecting with their teammates of the, guy, the guys that they drafted. They have to connect with those with those guys. So not only are, are the, is the team hearing from me about things that are going on on schedule, I expect those to reach out personally, individually speak with the guys in their squad each day, and then also send a text individually to them and encourage them. Um, and making sure that they know that, you know, there's an expectation, not just from coach, but from, from, player to player to be here that we're counting on. Um, there's a lot of players that that want to play sport, want to be involved in sport because of the relationship with the coach. And so I, I want to make sure that our leadership, they continue to and, and engage one another in hopes that those relationships will build and, and tie us together. Um, so I use those guys a lot for communication. There are certain things if we need to get done, I'll tell, I'll send out a text using the, the band app that we talked about uh, before. Um, I'll send that out to them that, hey, I need this done. And then they have an opportunity to lead. They have an opportunity to communicate with their team. I think then they get your communication. Um, they help me organize things. Um, that leadership council flag football, and I need guys to be officials. They're the first ones that are there, and they're also the ones responsible for organizing their squad to make sure the right guys are, are there at the right times. There's, there's all, all kinds of stuff that they've helped us with communication-wise. Um, they get input on, you know, what color t-shirt we're going to wear, what color shorts we're going to wear. Um, they get input on, uh, on some of you. Um, I try to, one of the things that I do with leadership council, if you're, hopefully this is interesting to somebody, but we, we have a, a sticker that we put on the back of our helmets for the guys for leadership council. And it's the, it's the second largest sticker that's on the helmet. We have the decals that are on the sides, and then we have a, a, a pretty good sized sticker that's on the back that if you were sitting in the stands and you were looking and you saw the backs of the helmets of our, our team, it would stand out. So like those, those kids, it's, it's, they're separate. Um, and so, and we wanted, we wanted them to have that so that they, they felt like the time that they put out of they're recognized. Uh, speaking of recognition, uh, you know, a lot of times your home football games, you know, one game we, we do offensive start, we get to the tail end of the last home regular season game. Uh, we have kind of a special thing for them because there's guys that will have in leadership council, that won't ever start again, but they're committed to their team. It's kind of special. Yeah, that's great that you rewarded in that way and uh, recognize those players. I used to have a coach who would say all the time, I- I'm not going to uh, coach to the most talented player. I'm going to coach to the most committed. So if we've got guys who are missing practice, you know, I'm not going to uh, wait for them to catch up, you know, based on their talent. Oh, this is our best player. Even though he missed practice yesterday, let's review what we went over for this guy. He said, you know, the most committed guys are the guys I'm going to coach and everybody else just needs to catch up, which kind of leads me to my next question. I assume uh, you probably got back to work sometime in May or June. It sounds like most uh, most programs got back in the weight room at least or at least doing workouts outside or something like that. You had said some guys missed, you know, not necessarily missed, but didn't do the exercises that you sent. Some did. How did you go about uh, trying to get everybody back on the same page? Well, once we got back together, I was really uh, pleasantly surprised. I know that we had some kids that did work, and I could tell that they hmm. uh, 
we felt like starting back um, to get everybody on the same page. And generally, when we start our summer, um, there are certain things that we do county fair type set up, not for condition change direction stuff. They're like uh, four or five minute uh, rotations. That's a good way to get the guys back into playing type shape. And then we do a little other a little extra conditioning at the at the tail end, and, and that was something we started pretty soon once we got in. I thought that was really important. Again, it goes back we talked about earlier some of that shared pain. You know, and the guys, there are certain things that we do in our program that are designed not necessarily to make the guy a better football but the person, a tougher person, mm-hmm. and uh, for guys to encourage. Um, but when we got started back, you know, we we got I think we got in about the last week of May and we were able to, uh, to start lifting and we were able to be in the weight room. We just couldn't have everybody in there at the same time. So we kind of had to rotate them a little bit who was inside, who was outside and whatnot. But the biggest part for us was just doing this change of direction. I think that that was probably the primary thing. That's good. Yeah. Now I know, uh, you had an undefeated season, so, you know, you're uh, obviously your training and physicality and talent, um, you know, kind of stood out uh, as the season went on. Then you get in the playoffs and you're kind of back to where you were the year before. You're trying to make a deep run. Was there anything that you did differently this year or approached differently uh, after your experience in 2019? Um, Well, I felt like like with with the way our kids worked and how important it was to them, I didn't feel like we had to squeeze them quite as much. Um, And so – Uh, we were more likely to, if we had a couple good reps to end the period early rather than work all the way through the timing of that period. You know, if we finished a couple good reps and we felt like we were where we needed to be, we'd shut it down. I think we saved ourselves. We saved our legs a little bit. And I, we're a, we're a team that we get a lot of reps in practice. We are pretty fast tempo. And so, you know, for us to take some reps uh, that they recognize, you know, their focus is there and, I think that was that was one of the uh, lifting wise. You know, we pretty much stayed the same throughout the list. I would say, for many years now, I, I would say that we have so we really didn't change up our 2019 to 2020 towards the tail. Um, I will say this. You know, one of the differences from 19 to uh, we lost game two in 2019. He was a sophomore. He was on ACL, and about 10 minutes later, his back. So we went the rest of the, the end of that game. I had no idea slot receiver that weighed 140 pounds and moving he went the rest of the way at running back and played outstanding for us but it left us a little bit a little thin at receiver and that's where you know down the stretch in 19 we didn't play great on off i felt like stretch in 20 i felt like we played really solid on offense uh we played great defense 19 20 both offense because you know we got that running back back and we got the other running back and so we yeah, we're doing the uh, Coach of the Year edition of this magazine where we pick a Coach of the Year from each state, and we picked you from Missouri. And then I reached out to probably about 10 of the coaches that won Coach of the Year just to, if their story stood out, anything remarkable happened. And what really caught my eye with your story, not only the overtime loss in 2019 and coming back and uh, running the table this season, but it was the first uh, state championship in the program's 125-year history I would imagine um, you're you're going into a state championship game and you've got, you know, 15 to 18 year olds sitting in a locker room. They they know the history. How do you get them to uh, stay composed in a big game like that? You know, it's interesting you mentioned that um, a couple of things. Number one, I, I believe, you know, you mentioned 125 years. Um, it's true. 
And we've played more games than, than any program in the state of Missouri. Um, I think that this is the best place to coach. I don't think there's a better one high school town. We play a game, everybody. That's the one negative about the, with all of the limitations on crowds. It was so sad for this. We didn't play in front of 5% of what, you know, had for crowds for this year. So it, it, that was, that was unfortunate. Um, but uh, it, it was, like I said, it was, it was a special group though. What was your question again? Uh, just how do you keep them composed going into a, yeah, you know, a game with all that pressure? Good. Yeah, it's it's interesting because with the group of kids that we had, uh, so many of them had returned from the year before. I think there was a little bit of nervousness there. But, man, we've got players that have supreme confidence in their ability, like <laughs> they feel. And there were some guys, uh, our quarterback in particular, um, you know, uh, Kale Welker is our starting you know, three-time first. He didn't play about six quarters. That was half of a regular season game his sophomore year in the state championship. He was uh, to show, and he did that. And and so I, I don't know that if I – I don't know that I really settled our guys down. I'm a really big routine guy, which I'm sure a lot of head coaches are. And so there's – you know, <clears throat> we have an itinerary that I give to the players that we go over on uh, after practice. We go – and then so they know their schedule from when they're showing up at school, you know, when they get out of school, you know, where we're traveling, where we're staying, all that stuff's on there. And then it goes down to, you know, every three to five minutes, the segments of our pregame, you know, of like when we're going to do our stretch, you know. And for us, we do a band stretch way before kickoff, and that's that's kind of the start of, you know, we do band stretches, and then we do our, our position meeting, our – full team meeting and then we get ready to go out and do our dynamic and everything. So we've got all that routine. And I think I like the routine because when the routine's going on, the kids kind of focus on it, but then they don't really have to focus just like it was last week. It's just like it was the week before. It's just like it was the week. Um, but we're still keeping them busy and we're doing stuff. So they don't have enough time to think about, Oh my God, what's going to happen or Hey, what's going to happen? Like, and, um, and again, I, I like the way our, our pregame is set up because it's, it's, coaches and players are in and i think that's uh guys do it so it wasn't necessarily anything any one thing that i would just kind of our process and our routine we do a we do um typically pregame wise we do a meeting and in that meeting it's kind of like our zoom we have three questions players so a player will come up and he'll sit in the in the hot seat and we'll ask him three questions they're of varying importance to their life but they're usually entertaining and, and so we ask them the questions and we'll usually do three or four or five of those guys. And that's one of the things we do in this meeting. And then we, we also talk and during this meeting, we talk about the key categories to win in the game and, and how that turned out last week. Uh, again, the process, you know, comparative areas that goes, we're going to worry about uh, taking care of the football, our red zone, uh, our third down percentage, our penalties. And if you look at our, you know, turnovers, you can tell we had a mature team this year because we had uh, eight total turnovers, 14 games. Uh, and four of those turnovers were by varsity play. So really, if you look at your varsity guys having four really good focused. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, well, that's great. That's, that's a great story. Um, I do want to just touch on quickly. Uh, we did a story like you mentioned the band app. We, we spoke a week or two ago about um, kind of the tech culture that you're, you've established. You use a lot of apps and technology to kind of keep your program ahead of the, the curve um, what technology do you use in terms of video technology? Um, we use huddle. Uh, if you're, if you're talking about, uh, you know, for us doing this, that study and whatnot, we, we use huddle and have for a long time. Um, and that's 
been, you know, of course, really good for us. People would say that you would save time using it, but you do more with the time that you're spending. Right. Uh, so we, we, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a person, I love video and, and, you know, I've got a couple assistants on staff, staff of the same way that we can't get enough. We're always requesting video. Um, really enjoy that. Um, we uh, taken a step further uh, for, for our video that that uh, um, that we watch during the games. We, we use Sportscope, who, who that's the company that does our end zone uh, camera and tower, and then they also offer the first sideline, and that's been really good for us. Their software was this year; we were able to make adjustments. It was really good. Um, so that's uh, that's it video wise. I'm trying to think if there's something else really that stands out. I will say this with with Huddle. Um, and this is a little bit technology, a little bit not, um, but, uh, we don't really do a physical playbook anymore and haven't for years. I'm sure that I'm like a lot of coaches out there that, you know, when you're younger as a coach, it's like, I'm just going to be perfect. I'm going to have it bound. I'm going to have it professionally bound and I'm going to hand it out and it's going to have a spot on there for me to put the player's number on it. I'm going to hand it to him and he's going to study it. Yeah. And then you pick up that playbook, you know, two months later and it was never open, <laughs> wet stained from a t-shirt sitting on top of it. And it's right. like, been through that process. So what we do playbook wise now um, is I use my iPad and I use an app called Notability. Um, and on the iPad, you can do a, a recording. And so I'm able to record myself drawing on the iPad almost like, Mm-hmm. So I record the audio and I'm recording my, you know, uh, so if I'm explaining our, our uh, counterplay, you know, I'm going through and drawing it, or if it's our, our quicks, whatever it is, I'm going through and describe it. And basically I group our plays, like our counters together and our stretches together and our RPOs for off inside zone is together and our quicks are all together. So anyway, I have all these different files and I add them to, you know, the Google drive, but then I also upload to huddle. Mm-hmm. Um, so now our players have an opportunity in the spring, once these are, once I release these, they have an opportunity to get on there and study our quick routes. That we're, and that video is anywhere between six and 12 minutes and they can watch it once and get it. Or if they need to watch it a hundred times to get it, it's there for them. And so um, if, if they want to know it, it's there, they have right. the opportunity. That's been really good for us getting, if we get a transfer kid in, that's really been helpful for that, that player. If I get a new coach, I think that's a lot better hearing my hearing my voice and then seeing me draw and use the verbiage that I use to teach stuff. I think that's a lot better than them seeing a black and white page on a paper or even on huddle to be able to see it, that it's typed in. I think it's better for a Yeah. And you use analytics too. Uh, is that, is that huddle or what do you use for analytics? I do a little bit with that. And then we use R2 uh, technologies. Um, okay. And, and they provide uh, it's called a, a game break scan. Um, and it's kind of, it's, it's a neat, uh, it's a neat deal. It's basically, you know, we're always trying to find those tendencies as you do self scout, you're always trying to find out, you know, Hey, what do we do on, you know, short and left hash or when we're in three, by two, what if the back is weak and, you know, you start digging through it, you know, you know, shoot, we're halfway through the season and we realize that, that when we're, when we run three receivers on one side and the back strong, we're a 50, 50 run pass and we put the back weak, we're 75% run. So either we're going to have to decide, well, we're just better than you, and so we're just going to keep doing it, or we're going to have to create balance or something off of that tendency. So, um, but the the uh, the R two technology stuff is has been really good because it allows you just with the with the click of a mouse, you can you can kind of dig in to 
um, whether it's uh, first down and you want to see immediately, you'll see what your run pass percentage, right, left, what the top plays are. Plus, it's also color coded for efficiency. So based on the color, you know, immediately you were really, really efficient on a, at a certain thing or you weren't. And then based on not only just the colors, but also the size of the boxes, that tells you how many times you ran it. It's the larger the box, the more times, the less you ran. So what you'd like to do in a perfect world is you'd like to have the biggest boxes be the highest efficiency. Right. And you'd like the smallest boxes then to be the, the, the lowest efficiency. So it, it real quickly, I'm able to look through and, and do a quick study of, of that. And basically, we, uh, we, we export our playlist from Huddle to, uh, to Excel, and then I email it to them couple hours i get that's interesting i actually co uh i interviewed coach kevin kelly who's uh uh-huh. he's in arkansas yeah everybody knows him he's the guy who never punts or uh, you know always does the onside kicks last week but he was saying with his analytics he'll find that um it doesn't always support what the coaches believe is happening you know so he he brought in his offensive coordinator his offensive line coach and he said hey what do you think our our most successful running play is and the offensive coordinator is like, oh, it's got to be this play that hit for a 95 yard touchdown in the first game. And he's like, you know what? Besides that one play, we average 3.2 yards per run and we average seven yards a run on just about, you know, if we're not running that play. And he's like, just because of an anecdotal 95 yard touchdown, like you can't fall in love with the play. You got to keep you got to look at these analytics every week and figure out what you're doing. So that stuff is so valuable, especially, you know, at the high school level, it's a huge advantage because not everybody's using it. Um, last one for you, strength and conditioning. I know you use train heroic. Uh, uh-huh. how is that, how does that work? Um, what I really like about train heroic is, is it allows you, um, to, to pretty much write your own program. And, you know, as coaches, we all kind of dabble. There's, there are some, uh, we are, we are not, um, I'm always checking to see if our program matches up with, with others. And really, you know, the strength and conditioning deal is, uh, you're going to be successful if your kids believe in it. And uh, so, you know, once once we've kind of gotten over the hump in, in that area, our kids believe in what we do. So the good thing about Trainer Oak is you can program it the way you want it, and and that's delivered via app, you know, to the kids on their phone. So they can they can come into the weight room or in the locker room before we do our tenants, and they can see, hey, we're doing five sets of five on, the, on whatever the exercise is for the day. And it just it just gives them – real simple what's on there. And then once they get started into the workout, it, it, it has for each one of the sets, it's, it's going to have based on the percentage that we set, what the prescribed weight they should be lifting. Um, and, you know, they have the opportunity then to, to update it as far as how many reps they, so we're able to keep a, a, a running max, you know, an updated max. Uh, so there's good flexibility in it. Um, we, we spent uh, several years when I say we had assistant coach, Darren Bardot, who spent a lot of time, printing off sheets for guys that we were still writing the program, but then we're printing off a sheet and that sheet is good for that day. And he would spend two or three hours on Sundays trying to get them ready for the kids. And, and, you know, it it was, it got really frustrating and cumbersome. And so we needed to look at a way that made it a lot smoother. So now, you know, we're able, it's, it's able to uh, adjust very, very quickly. Um, And again, we're able to pull reports and so we can kind of see progress for, for kids on a short. And so that's been, uh, it's, it's been really good. Uh, And, and it's pretty user-friendly. Our kids can, can figure it out. Sometimes they, you know, they feel special about being able to punch their numbers, you know, punch their numbers in. The other thing about train heroic is like a lot of these programs that are like it, it gives you the ability to, as kids enter their stuff in that, that it could be projected on us to show you top lifters. 
Yeah, they like the leaderboard. Uh, that always motivates kids in high school. That's yep. uh, that's great. Well, Coach Eckley, I really appreciate you taking the time. I knew you'd be a great podcast guest when we spoke a couple of weeks ago. It's a great story. First state championship in 125 years and uh, bouncing back from uh, runner-up last year. So congratulations again, and thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Coach Eckley for joining the FNF Coaches Podcast and talking with us about his team's state championship season. Don't forget to give the pod a five-star review on your preferred platform. The FNF Coaches Podcast is an AE Engine production. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.